Welcome back to the Waggle with Podcast, everybody. Yeah. Back Big and show back tonight. And back and back. Big show tonight. Special guest in the house. Who we got? Who we got? We got Sean Fagan from TruSpec Golf. What's going on, Sean? Say hello, Sean. Sean. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for, thanks for all is. the support over the last few weeks. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks welcome. Thanks for coming to our home and drinking our wine and just chilling out and oh. on this podcast. It's actually with Scotty's us. wine. It's a very nice bottle. Of it's wine. our. Thank I you, said, Scotty. oh, you oh. are our. Our. Yeah. My well, Wednesday family. nights are usually not quite as exciting as this, so I'm oh. thrilled to be oh. here. Oh yeah. yes. Well, happy <laughs> to have you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, Sean's from TruSpec. Yeah. Scotty and I have talked the last couple episodes about uh, the experience we had over at Truspec. They just opened up a shop in Beverly Hills. That's right. Very nice part of town. Very nice part of town. Uh, very nice place. We'll get into that in a little bit. Sean's gonna. We'll talk about the Sean whole. Sean spends a lot of time in Beverly Hills, actually. Well, of course, yeah, he works there. <laughs> well, a lot of other activities in Beverly Hills. Well, too. I can't wait to hear about all these yeah. extracurricular activities. A lot of golf. <laughs> a lot of wine. <laughs> I hope this one is up that? to your uh, It's fantastic. It's, right, I have low standards from where I'm from. This is, this is Hollywood. You know, it is what it is. Um, I'm still adapting. Uh, I'm still adapting to starting to drink again, and it's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I never stop. <laughs> no. Well, no, you're not you pregnant, so never will be, I hope. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so let's get going. Uh, PGA Tour news this week. Brendan Todd. Yes. Big win. Back in the winner's circle. Mayakoba. Big win. That's your spot, right? Mayakoba. Oh, Everyone knows. Scotty loves Mayakoba. Mm-hmm. It's the best place in the world, dude. I love the views. I just can't I can't get enough. I love kicking my feet up on the couch. Favor, go book a vacation there with a beautiful woman. You'll have beautiful four days. All love right. It. Good to know. Noted, Steve. Uh, okay. Well, shit. Okay. Oh, what was the I'll what go was there the anytime. Um, feature hole uh, that the the Golf Channel kept like going back to the part three probably part, that's on the, the part three the water, that goes yeah. up against the water. Yeah. yeah, and it's surrounded by um by the the lake water, not lake water, but the there's like little um what dunes? do they call them? Sea notes. Yeah. yeah, correct. But, right, and then all through the Mayakoba property for anyone that's been there or seen the pictures, it's like the canals, and you can take boats. Right. From and to. So you literally you take a boat from to go each to property to go to the golf course. Gosh, it's Get me on vacation. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's pretty it, it's pretty cool. Um and that reporter who was uh on that on the par three hole, oh, ripping shots at Patron. Oh, there was Definitely. a segment. Yeah, there was like a tent on that hole. And, and super jealous and wanted his the re- job. The Let reporter was that. like, the reporter was, she was going in there and she was like, hey, no, I'm hanging out. it was a out. guy. It wasn't a girl. It was <laughs> a oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. No, it was a guy. <laughs> but you kept, Check you said she. Wine. No, I said ripping shots. Okay. No, but it was, there was a, a reporter in there and he was literally like carrying like drinks off of the bar it's on, great. on air. But I tell you what, I will one up golf. This is what I will propose. I'll do that whole next year, and I'll be in a bikini. Oh, that'd be perfect, like a golf bikini. <laughs> I don't golf bikini? Skirt. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't Maybe get it either. What do you mean? Uh, because it's it's vacation, and who wants to see some people in, in polos? Let's just see the real deal there's a, of there's vacation. Dre- there's dress attire there, Emily. Yeah. Right, it's, let's it's stop. It's a very fancy place. Okay, so I'm getting shut down. Yeah, no very bikini for so. you. Fine. No bikini for you. Fine. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Brendan Todd, <laughs> winner uh, at Mayakoba. We'd all love to be there in our bathing suits, but you know it was a golf tournament this weekend. So great story from Brendan Todd. I mean, you got a feel for this guy. He's had some up and downs throughout his career. He's turned it on fire again. He won a couple weeks ago in Bermuda. Yep. 
which is one of the offshoot things. I think they had a WGC that same week in Correct. Shanghai. Correct. Um, so a lot of the top 50 players are over there, but still. Uh, apparently he loves beautiful places this year because he wins in Bermuda, <laughs> yeah, he wins yeah. in Mayakoba. Uh, he's winning on some beautiful property. Yeah, so obviously, you know, big thing for him. He didn't even have his full PGA Tour card Correct. for 2020 or 2019 uh, before this. So that win in Bermuda plus the win uh, now here in Mayakoba gets him a bunch of FedEx Cup points, gets him two-year exemption. The Masters. So the Masters, all of the stuff that comes with it. Um, so a, a great win for him. Uh, there's more I can go into about his history, but you know, no, Scotty, what are your thoughts? Or Emily, go ahead. Yeah, I'm 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 sliding <laughs> right in here. I just think slide it's, into the DM. Yeah, I think it's a great story, just because I mean, it, he talks about how just about a year ago he was really heavily contemplating giving up the game just because he couldn't give get rid of the 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 yips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I he mean, it's a real deal. Basically, afraid to hit a tee shot. Right? Talk closer, stood, Scotty. That he would, you know, get up on the tee and know that he's going to hit it 50 yards right. Well, I know his feeling. So, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, an unbelievable story. You see all these times, and this is what fall golf is is made of on the PJ Tour. Yeah. To see these types of stories, to see these types of developments, and hats off to him, and look forward to watching him in 2020. Absolutely, yeah. but guys, he's also now the first player to win two straight, um, uh, two straight starts since uh, Duchambeau. Which is yes, crazy. Which is crazy because he's just like, what didn't even have a tour card. He wins yeah. two straight starts. Yeah, it's well, got to be like, that's awesome. I don't think that's it's probably the only time it's ever happened. Someone without a PGA tour card wins two PGA tour Maybe. events in a row. I, I don't just I, know how important it is. Like, people really care about. Well, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty interesting stat. I think it's a great stat. Okay. It's not motivating. Sean, me. you got any thoughts? I just think that there's thousands of unbelievably talented golfers and. If there's only 125 cards to give out each year, yeah. you think about how rare it is to have the opportunity to actually, you know, even be in the in the right space at the right time with that opportunity where you have to beat everybody. And I mean, it's there's so many players that never get their chance, right? So I, f- I feel really great for him. I mean, he had uh, obviously struggled for a long time, and then you know, takes advantage of his opportunity and then doubles down and wins again. I mean, it's crazy. You know, hopefully, you know, his family is set for life. I mean, we're talking what almost three million dollars. Yeah, probably after winnings. those two. And, set for life, three uh, million two dollars. years and sure, I mean, three million is not quite what it used to be. I suppose, right? <laughs> Especially in Beverly Hills, no, right? I well, actually, I think he won like I think he. I don't. Couldn't it's buy probably a not that much. It's, at it's probably two million. It's probably two million because I think he had like the the offshoot yeah. events are like six hundred grand. It's a great story, but just like. Sleeper. So how sleeper? How much did he? How much did he tip his caddy? There's Ooh, the question. Great question. I'm Very sure relevant was, because sure there's more. We're talking about. Sure, is more than Matt Kuchar. <laughs> I Just think anything that. is more than Matt Kuchar. He did pay him fifty grand eventually. After he well, got I, dogged on so social media. I know Scotty says it's I know. like. Well, he did, yeah, he he did pay him after, but not still probably not as much as. He would have. He, he had a nightmare. Did the right thing. He could have. Right. Yeah, he could have avoided the whole thing. So, but just anybody. I mean, nobody knows this. <laughs> Hold on. Did the right thing. He waited till February the next year. Well, he's he saying eventually. Paid him only he's half saying of what he should have paid him at the ten percent level. He's saying he eventually did. But the it right isn't thing. the right thing. He still was short fifty grand. Yeah, he was still a little short. I wasn't there when they made their verbal agreement. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, oh, yeah, we can get it. So oh, we can open a whole can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but not a lot of people know Brandon Todd. Obviously, uh, he hasn't really been there in a long. So, but just to to kind of reiterate a couple of the things from his career. I mean, he he won. He battled for a couple of years on tour. Uh, his first win, he lost his tour card. Um, gained it back when you still could in Q school. This is like in 2011, 2012. Had his first win on tour in 2014, and then lost it again in 2015, and was like basically struggling on the nationwide tour. Didn't even have his didn't has at the time it was called the nationwide tour. Didn't even have his nationwide tour tour card in 20 like 15, 16. So to, to battle all the way back and then win two tournaments, it takes. He talks a little bit about it in some interviews about how it takes there's a lot of self-doubt that can creep into your head like he was looking at other jobs and stuff like that and sure. it's crazy how talented you can be and how fast the tides can turn both up yeah. and down yeah. right i mean it, it can just all be gone pretty soon but good for him yeah great for him and speaking of tides turning hello hello who backed out of uh president's cup boys it's like probably the biggest news of the week really the biggest news of i the think week. everyone's talking about um it. we knew this was a possibility um, when we talked about these picks at length for the President's Cup team, but Brooks, because of injury, has decided to not be a participant in the President's Cup upcoming. And El Capitan, Mr. Eldrick Woods, said who the last man out was going to be, and he named Ricky Fowler as the newest member of the President's Cup team. Yep. Today. Uh, I don't think it was a big surprise for no. anybody. Ba- Tiger basically said this would happen if something Someone couldn't go. Correct. I mean, it was a, sort of a surprise that Brooks couldn't go. That was the bigger surprise. I don't think it was a surprise that Ricky was next in line because Tiger, like you said, alluded to that earlier. Uh, uh, so, I, you know, the biggest surprise He's for me happy. is actually Joe that. Scover was happy. Love, love to see, yeah, love to see Joe and, and Ricky uh, in Australia. I'm sure they're happy. Allison Stokey's happy. She's going to get a trip to. <laughs> yeah, husband's, trip, husband's yeah, going husband's on a good trip. Trip to Australia. Stoked. A trip um, down under. Ooh, I like that. Allison Stokty. Oh, I like it. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> Fist bump there. I can't reach you, but if I could. Uh, but anyways, the, the, I'm actually like a little shocked. Not sh- my little shocked, whatever it is. I'm a little surprised that Ricky did not choose to play this week at Sea Island because it seems like he, not that, not that he ever has, but when you look at the other guys that are playing on tour like a lot a lot of the top 15 world played either the zozo or Wait, this or week? the wgc like this, this past yeah. week or this coming week coming. this coming this week. coming okay. week all yes. right i just wanted to make sure i heard you right um so he hasn't played a competitive tournament since august and the only thing he's going to get is maybe the uh hero challenge right. which is he'll not, be part, which he'll be part of yeah which he'll be invited to and probably will go play but it's the week before president's cup so you're basically going to bermuda or uh, bahamas, bahamas. And then you're getting on Tiger's on jet and yeah. flying with him. Not a bad life. Australia. That's not a bad life. <laughs> yeah. But a not play. a lot of competitive golf for him. I thought Don't like, feel sorry for him. I thought he'd go play this week because it's just been a long, long while getting married in all since he's played a And he had the round. bacterial infection. Correct. Right? Which is why he backed out of Mayakoba with Correct. a bacterial infection. But by the time Mayakoba started, based on the article, he said he felt much better. He felt good. He just didn't have the time to get ready and prep for Mayakoba. So now, obviously, he has the time to get prepped and ready. So he'll I, have know. some games down in Jupiter with the boys and get ready to go. Yeah, okay. Not the same as a PGA Tour tournament, but... It's the but President's Cup. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is he? Mm-hmm. This is all tune-up. Uh, anyways, 
Sean, you got any thoughts on the? Well, we, we did Presidents Cup's picks last weekend. What are your thoughts on on the picks in general? I like uh, some of the new guys in here. Um, I thought it was real interesting. Patrick Reed's back in the mix. Talk a little closer. I think I think the Patrick Reed thing's interesting. Um, uh, you know, Xander Shoffley. When I finally saw him in in real life in person, close up, I couldn't even recognize who he was. He was practicing out of a bunker, but it was so blatantly obvious that he was one of the best players in the world with just his physicality, yeah. the way he just generates ridiculous power. And he was literally hitting like a ten yard bunker shot. You know, it's no surprise anymore. But since I saw him like two years ago, I've been fully on him, and he's performed exceptionally. Um, really happy to see Gary Woodlands, you know, represent the U.S. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Finau, you know, back in the mix too. I think that's really cool. And um, you know, I think Ricky just kind of finalizes some star power. You know, I mean, Brooks Kepka has been this terminator of a player. You know, from the ma- from uh, from all the majors that he's won, all four of them. Does Ricky Fowler have four PGA Tour wins? He's got five. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. He's got five. I wasn't sure. So obviously, yeah. from the numbers standpoint, you're taking a little bit of a step back. I suppose you could make that argument because well, Kepka is from world beater. Number one, yeah. But one in the world. Ricky is so consistent. He's been so consistent for so long. Yeah. He's got a certain type of swagger, obviously. I'm not very good Ryder Cup and President's yeah. Cup He's player. always been a great match play player. Yeah. He played great in college as well, um, in the AGA events even. I remember watching Ricky Fowler back in 2005 when he, I think he was like 14 or 15 years old yeah. playing at Longmeadow Country Club where I grew up um, in the really? U.S. Junior Amateur. Yeah, that Kevin okay. Tway ended up winning. So, okay. I mean, I remember Another Oklahoma him. State connection yeah, there. Right. Oklahoma State and, guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking way back when he was, you know, I mean, I'm still taller than Ricky Fowler, but I was, <laughs> he was really small back then, and he was still just an unbelievable player. So I, I, I like it. I don't think he's going to have too much of too much trouble getting tuned up for it. And the President's Cup format obviously takes some pressure off, you know, to be part of the team. Yeah. And he's going to be great in the locker room. He's a locker room guy, that sort of thing. Everyone so. likes him. He's a th- I think he's 3-0-1 in President's Cup. Doesn't have quite as good of a Ryder Cup record, but he's played a lot more Ryder Cup matches. Yeah. Um, yeah, he'll be he'll be fine. Uh, just would have liked to see him get a little bit more golf. And, well, not even just for Presidents Cup, but just for like PGA. I'm, you know, I'm a Ricky fan, but PGA Tour wise, like a lot of guys have played two or three or four tournaments by now. Um, he's got zero, uh, sure, but that's sure. okay. Got a lot of golf this whole season. A lot of golf. Uh, but speaking of a lot of golf, I think I know that B, Brooks Kepka is as injured, and that's obviously why he's not going to the Presidents Cup. But do you think there is also a reason um, for him backing out? Is not necessarily the injury, but also to save himself for the rest of the year, just because there is so much more golf coming into the season. Does that maybe? Make sense? I, I just think he's not ready to come back, and if he doesn't feel like he's healthy enough, then he's not going to go. He's not going to go injured. I'm sure if. If it was the if it was a major golf tournament, he'd that power same through. Week, oh, yeah. He'd probably power through 100%. it. Yeah. I just don't know how motivated he is to go to Australia for a week and for play, the Presidents right? Cup. Like, yeah, against the international team. I, I I don't know. Like Brooks is, we know Brooks is a different guy. I think we know like that to he be does there. things his own way. He's motivated by other things. Yeah. He's not necessarily the go lucky friendly guy out there that everyone else is, and he walks his own path and that has rubbed some folks and individuals the wrong way. And so I think Brooks is just very content 
yeah. nursing an injury and not being part of the President's so, Cup team. So let me ask you this. Do you, uh, if you were Captain Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. would you have picked Ricky in replacement or would you have gone somewhere different? Like no, I, I think Kevin Nash should be part of this team. And I've been on record of saying that for the better part of two and a half months now. Right. Um, it comes down to where they're going to play, Royal Melbourne. It's going to be a putting contest. It's going to be a wedge up and down contest. It's not going to be a bomber's paradise. So all of those things, I think I would have taken. Well, I Kevin mean, Ricky is Ricky's a pretty good putter. Yeah, and, but Kevin now or Ricky, who are you taking as a putter? <laughs> Ricky. Well, statistically, you would say not. Am I? Am I? Ricky. But I'm just saying. Like, really? Oh, is, does Kevin not better putting statistics than Ricky? I don't know. Maybe absolutely. He does. And, okay. and 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 how I'm much? Look that up. And but. and uh, you, I would want Kevin now to hit the putt for me and hit a wedge for me. More than I would hit. I think Ricky Ricky's hit. got the best putting stroke on tour, and I know I'm a homer, but I I think a lot of people agree with me. All right, well, listen, uh, you got to putt down the stretch to make. You're picking Kevin now over Ricky Fowler. Hundred percent. How many majors your boy won? Zero. How many has Kevin not won? He'll win one next year. Yeah, right. So zero. <laughs> <laughs> zero. Uh. Anyways, all right. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Any uh, any different? Would you pick someone different? I would have gone. If I was going to pick anyone, I would have said Kisner over that. I think he's a, a good team player. Won the uh, WGC match Kisner's play. Kisner's greatest strength? Match play. His putting ability. <laughs> he won WGC match play. Oh, yeah. His putting ability is good. Again, I don't know if it's better than Ricky, but it's good. I like I like the team as is. I think this is the coolest <laughs> Sean, team you that they've ever had. ruffling no feathers. Okay, nothing. No, he's ruffling your feathers. Is agreeing with me? What's I, wrong with I that? I just I just really like the U.S. team. I think if you look back from like the the last several Ryder Cup teams and some of the Presidents Cup teams, there's always been this like you know one or two guys that you couldn't really see fitting in with the rest of them. Not to take away from some of their success and some of their failures, but like I just think this team is super solid from top to bottom. Everyone's bringing a different vibe. Obviously Tiger's the captain. Like how could you possibly have a cooler setup than that? Freddie Couples, um, you know, uh, Zach Johnson and Steve Stricker as the assistant captains. Like that's a pretty solid like, you know, four guys running the the show there. Absolutely. And then I think there's just so much firepower and, and and excitement and hype with some of the some of the guys. You have the steadier players like you know Webb Simpson and Patrick Cantlay. Um, you have Bryson, kind of the the guy on on the side doing his own thing. You got DJ obviously killing the ball. JT and Ricky are obviously going to make a good pairing. Reed, you can kind of either put with Tiger or wherever. And I think like you know if you combine um, just the consistency of Matt Kuchar and the firepower of like Woodland and Finau, I mean that's that's a solid team. I can't say that there's anything I mean, they should, from that team. They should crush the international right. team. Yeah. Absolutely. Great answer, Sean. I mean, you know look, you're patriotic. The, <laughs> I mean, the, the President's Cup, what, started in 1994? Like, it certainly doesn't have the cachet of the Ryder Cup. Everyone kind of knows no, I, this. I've always said, like, this is really just a setup, like, for the Ryder Cup. I think it's one of the big reasons you wanted Gary Woodland on this team and why I thought he'd get picked is because I think he's a competitive guy. He's got the tools to, to play well. It seems like he'd be, have a you know, he seems like he'd be a great team play, match play type of type of guy, and so I think you really want to see what he's got. I mean, wasn't he a point guard too? Like, talk about yeah, just innate an leadership abilities. He's like, an that guy knows how to like manage a a team, make every make sure everyone's happy. Like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, no, I it'll think be fun. They'll have a great time. They'll win a Presidents Cup. We'll feel better about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> great. <laughs> 
So yeah, we're looking forward to President Scott. But to go back, hopefully on, Brooks is not hurt too much. No, I, I haven't I haven't really read too much about Brooks's injury, but I don't know if we want to talk any more about that. It just seems like this is still the injury that he slipped on a cart path in uh, at the CJ Cup, and it seems like you know I don't we haven't heard of any surgery after that or anything, or I haven't. But I don't know if um, I just hope it's not a lingering injury. He's the number one player in the world. I want to see Brooks Kepka compete with R- uh, Rory and DJ and Tiger and everyone down the stretch. I think that's just good for golf in general. Okay, great. I'm glad Anyways. you got that off of your chest. Yeah, you know. But to go back to on, on the the um, battle between like Kevin Na and Ricky Fowler, as of this year, Na's ranked second. According to the PGA Tour.com. Oh second in what? Second in putting. Strokes game putting? Strokes game putting. Oh, boy. Second. SG putting? Yep. Okay, SG. I, I didn't even look at it. Ricky's not even on the board. Oh he's boy. on the board. No, he's, <laughs> he's not even. not on the board. He, well, meaning like he's not in the top 200. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's top 188. Case closed. Case closed. Yeah, Case it closed. is true. According to PGATour.com. You, what, what season are you look looking at? Honestly, look at Steve's I'm getting like, rough on you. Hold on. This is, this is this well, he Guys, listen, listen to the stat. Listen. I'm going to give you why. Listen Ricky, to Steve. Look at Steve. He's Ricky hasn't played enough. a tournament. She's looking at 2019-2020 season. Ricky hasn't played in a tournament and Kevin Nas won one. Time out. To be fair, Ricky was better last year. Ricky hasn't played. Oh, guys. To be fair, look yes. Look up Ricky, the last season and look up career statistics. Can we relax? Oh, we just moved his career statistics. Let's take a deep breath and Have just a glass chill. Of wine, Steve. Just oh. take a sip. Take a sip. Take a sip. Take a sip of wine while I talk. Take a sip. <laughs> As of last season, Ricky Fowler, yes. Is you guys ranked, are wrong. You're welcome. Is, you're not letting me finish. We need to work on this, honey. <laughs> okay. So as of last season, Ricky is ranked much higher than Kevin Na. Oh, Ricky, Ricky so, ended at like that's exactly 18, what I said. And, and Kevin Na was about 75th. This year... It's pretty close, right? You're pretty this, close, Scotty. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> the argument I feel like Steve Scotty's trying... No, we're not done with this conversation. Okay. The argument that I think, I think that Scotty are. is trying to say is that you want to pick the guys who are hot. And Kevin Na... Ricky has not played a golf tournament this year. Well... You can't measure him on those so statistics. So why would you pick... So that's the argument We're that talking about who's the better putter. Yeah. We're talking about who's the better season, putter. Ricky Fowler, season, statistically... Ricky Emily, My point second. was... My my point was Ricky Kevin Fowler was the, behind Andrew Putnam. Ricky Fowler is the better putter Putnam. out of the two statistically. Not right now. You were saying... Not. not right now. He hasn't played... You he's can't not. be a better putter if you don't actually make one putt. Sean? I mean, I'm clearly the so for those basketball man. fans out there. Ben Simmons made his first three pointer in the NBA tonight, <laughs> and he was leading the NBA in three point percentage at 100. percent So, like, I mean, if we're gonna make that argument, look, I mean, Ricky has a very he's a long, superstar. He's got a very long track record of being a phenomenal putter. Um, so again, just to rehab, number two in strokes game putting right now is Kevin Now for the fall season. Number two. And strokes gain putting right now for the fall season is Kevin Na. Let's. Uh, do you want to make a bet who will be higher in the rankings yes. of strokes gain putting at the end Any, of this season? Yes. Anything you want. Okay. What's uh, the bet? What's it for? A bottle of wine to me. That's perfect. Fine. Sure. Emily gets a bottle of wine Fabulous. if Ricky ends up higher in strokes gain putting. Sure, I like that bet. And, and okay. not like cheap shit. This is not. 
This is actually a very good it's bottle. Good. It's very good. It's Compliment a fire, Firestone Merlot. All right, we're moving on. Delicious. Moving on. I can taste it on my palate. So one thing we didn't, we never really brought up, uh, just smaller stories here, but we talked about it earlier. We talked a bunch about the TV stuff, about Gary McCord and um, what's his name? <laughs> Davis Love the Third. So well, no, I know Davis. You? No, not Davis Peter got Costas. the new job. Peter Costas losing uh, their jobs with CBS, which was unfortunate. So uh, Scotty and I both thought, you know, CBS's angle there was going to be like go younger, get you know, PGA Tour was looking at making some moves. Please pick up a child. Um, every every episode. That sounded very sexist. Because <laughs> <laughs> right, it was. It. I, I'm sorry. I can pick her up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, so they go to Davis Love the Third yes. as the replacement for I guess one of the two. Not the choice I would have made to get younger <laughs> or, more I don't know, yeah. more fun. Guy with no broadcasting experience whatsoever. Uh, older PGA Tour guy. I have nothing uh, against Davis Love the Third. Loved his swing. Uh, loved him as a Ryder Cup captain. Great guy. It seems like just interested that they would choose that as a reason to fire Gary McCord or Peter Costas to hire Davis Love the Third. Mm. Didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. Maybe not. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I like Peter Costas, and I like Gary McCord a lot. And uh, it seemed as though Costas especially was a little bit outspoken about just leaving, felt like they didn't yeah. give him the farewell tour that he felt he was entitled to. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the world's not a fair place, whatever, right? Um, is what it is. I'm sure if he uh, really wants to, I mean, you look at all this alternative media that pops up, he could start his own podcast. He could comment. He'll find something. Yeah, he'll, regardless. he'll be okay. Um, you know, Davis Love is funny because uh, obviously the RSM is this week. Davis Love was the lead architect at yeah. the plantation course. I actually walked into um, the the Sea Island Clubhouse and literally almost bumped into Davis Love by accident yeah. uh, last February because I was playing in a tournament down there. Really? Oh, hey awesome. I ran into him. It's really at, funny. And at the plantation course? Yeah. Well, so nice. he's, he was on site redoing it. So yeah. just the idea that that course is up and running now when it was a complete like dirt pile back in February. We were there oh, in yeah, May. Yeah, we were there in May and it was, it was still, still a dirt yeah, pile. I mean, like, so for them to play a tournament, that's pretty impressive. Um, I think Davis Love has been kind of like a cultural icon for American golf for a long time. I think the, it sounds silly, the Ralph Lauren thing with him. Like, yeah. there's something iconic about him, whether you like him or not. Um, and I think Tar-heel. a lot of people will, you know, uh, at least they know what they're going to get out of him. If, is he a skilled broadcaster? You know, time will tell. But, I mean, other networks have made, you know, not great decisions in, on the broadcasting booths in other sports. And everyone's deserved of a chance. And, you know, we'll see what Davis can bring to the table. Um, he could be there for 20 years. Who knows? You know, yeah. He could be gone next maybe year. He's, maybe he's really good and he's been doing this in the background the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Davis Love is an interesting choice. It's not the choice I would have went with if I was CBS. I would have got younger. I would have went more Chambly-esque. Someone's going to ruffle feathers. And, yeah. You know, Davis Love's not going to do that. Davis Love is going to be chalk, well, play that's safe. Well, I they hired him. Um, yeah. Well, if, the, if that's how you want to go, I didn't see a reason you needed to make a change to begin with. Yeah. But, you know, Dave, like you said, Davis has a longstanding connection to American golf. He's been on a lot of different teams. He, you know, he's a, a Tar Heel. He's famous for teaching Michael Jordan how to play golf at North Carolina. 
made a um, lot of cuts. <laughs> made a, a lot, lot of cuts. Of cuts. He's a been lot. a pre- oh he's guys. been a captain, and it it seems like a very safe up the middle pick. Um, and we'll see how it turns out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there he is. Davis all the third. He's there. Um. Anyways, moving on. I think that's about the the gist of the PJ Tour news we got going on this week. We got uh, Sea Island, like we said, coming up. Another kind of resorty type of place. Uh, probably won't be too many top fifty players there. Everyone's going to be kind of honing down for the holidays, and yeah. uh, and then we get the Hero World Challenge, which a bunch of the top fifty world players go there, and then we got Presidents Cup. So, looking forward to that. But let's get into let's get into why Sean's here. I was say let's get into besides you, us hanging Sean. out because like we you know we just wanted to hang out with you and talk. We got to invite um, him over. But besides that, we we met Sean. So Scotty actually met Sean first. Yeah. We went, Scotty and I were talking actually before we, before we knew Sean, like when TrueSpec opened up, they were doing a promotion where uh, you get some free club fittings. Right. Unfortunately, that's no longer the case. It was just in October. We did it for thing. a couple months. It was a great success. Yeah, it was a great success. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, a couple so, months? Well, it was like two separate months that we uh, run the promotion. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. We got to get our name out. A lot out of people in, yeah. So that's it, was, awesome. it was fantastic. Yeah. I really obviously did not take advantage of that that's no, too bad no, we were busy you, we, <laughs> i mean you i was were, busy you were especially i had a, kinda, I had yeah, a newborn we had a newborn it's, it's a little maybe bit maybe i get an exception <laughs> maybe you play your cards right <laughs> <laughs> oh. hey now but anyways uh just the experience that i know scotty had and and, and i had was was great when we get in there unlike any other fitting experience i've had and i've i've only done it one other time. I was just going to ask you, how many experiences have you had? Well, I didn't even have. I actually, have, I've only, I've had. Pre, if you want to continue, if you want to start from like <laughs> start to zero, I actually have had zero. I I went to a club fitter after I already had clubs to go check, and this was like a a friend of a friend in Vegas, and I went. I was very hungover, by the way, and I went to go check. <laughs> of course, so I was like, you know, hitting golf balls, running to the bathroom, hitting golf balls, running to the bathroom, but. I was basically checking the clubs that I had currently already had. So sure. while he was great and he was bending the clubs, he was changing some lie angles and stuff like that, it really wasn't a soup to nuts, like start to finish, like fitting. And I went in just looking for pretty much one new club, but we, we went through the whole bag. It was amazing. I'll get more into our experience. But uh, anyway, Scotty, you were in first. What, yeah. was your, what were your first impressions? Yeah, of well, I sent my boy Josh in there. Uh, mm-hmm. He went the day before I did. And he basically said, hey, I know you're going tomorrow. This guy that bit me, name is Sean, he's not scheduled to come tomorrow. So I, if I, he was like, if I were you, I would just reschedule and make sure it's with Sean. Okay. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Right? Like, <laughs> ooh, ooh, language. We have little ears in oh, the yeah. house. She can't she tell. don't know what that is. Um, I'm like, I'm just going in and like, we'll see what they got. Like if, if everyone's good and I get there and the guy with the hat on is like, oh, the back, he's like, actually, Sean on his off day came in just for you. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. I'm like, all right, well, perfect. This guy's got to be, you know, customer service 101. Like I appreciate that and still do appreciate that because if that doesn't happen, you're probably not here today. And so... He was there. He was great. The, the whole hour, two hours was was unbelievable. And so then immediately I told Steve about it, and he had a very similar experience. And I think it kind of boils down to 
two things. Number one, the greatness of what TrueSpec offers. And then number two, the people that they hire and people like Sean who go above and beyond to make the experience so much better than just what the average fitting is or, you know, just the traditional up the middle kind of getting fit for golf clubs and equipment evaluation does. Thanks, Cody. There you go. So, yeah, it was a great time. So, Sean, what would you say, just to start it well, off? Before, sorry, I'm buttoning in here. Before we get down to the nitty-gritty of true spec and, like, just questions about that, like, how did you how did you start at uh, doing what you're doing, Sean? Yeah, I mean, so I'm kind of a, a different story than a lot of people who do club fitting, right? So six years growing up, um, I identified real early that golf was, like, my favorite thing in the world, right? And I remember walking up to, uh, it's called Twin Hills Country Club in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. I rode my bike there when I was 15. And I, I walked right into the pro shop. Um, and I said, hey, you know, pro, his name was Ronnie. I said, pro, like, I, I'm interested in working here. And he was like, okay, that's nice. But, you know, great. <laughs> Thanks, Cecilia. And um, so I, I basically said, look, you know, I'm interested in working here. Like, I'm in high school. I'm a sophomore in high school. I want to I wanna start working here. And he was like, okay, well, I have a full staff, so, like, there's no openings. And, I mean, not to, not to sound like I've embellished a story, but it's a true story. I rode my bike there five days in a row. And on that fifth day, he finally relented, and he goes, all right, fine. Just show up on Monday afternoon, and we'll find something for you to do. So I ended up working at that country club for six years throughout high school and then summers after college. Um, My favorite thing to do, right? And um, I I really considered doing the the PGM route. I was uh, offered, you know, a little bit of financial aid to go to Methodist, which is a pretty well-respected school for for PGM. Uh, That's professional golf management. Um, and I decided that I wanted to go to business school instead and kind of pursue um, what I kind of thought was just a, a, a greater goal, I guess. And after 12 years of working, you know, in, in corporate sales, um, you know, some software companies, staffing companies, uh, really got a, a wide array of just like business acumen based on all these different types of things. I saw an opportunity to just get back into golf because. I mean, every day I was in a cubicle dialing the phone. All I wanted to do was go out and play golf, right? And yeah, like I got kind of lucky. I got laid off unexpectedly from the last job I had in my old career. Blessing in disguise. Totally. Mm -hmm. And it gave me some time to kind of figure out what my next move was. Um, (laughs) So I just started hanging around the golf course that I was a member at, you know, and, and practicing, taking lessons, trying to network with other professionals in the industry, trying to figure out like what... I could offer the industry based on like right. having not come from um, you know a lineage of being a great player or anything like that. And actually, uh, there's a gentleman named Dave Greblick who's a Titleist uh, sales rep out in New England. He's a legend. He's been doing it for like 35 years. Uh, very uh, good relationships throughout the entire region. And he said, hey, you should check out TrueSpec. They opened this store just outside of Boston, ironically in the same town that I went to college in. Um, I stopped in, uh, met uh, what ended up being my coworker there for about six months and um, you know, basically just called the headquarters over and over again. Hey, how can I like get an opportunity to work here? And it was awesome. an, an amazing like co- set of coincidences where a gentleman came in from another company. Uh, he was going to take over our sales team. He hired me in like the month he was 
uh, part of the company. And then for some complicated business reasons not worth getting into, he kind of, he moved on. So he showed up, hired me, and stuck me in Amazing. this place in, in Waltham, Massachusetts. And now I'm in Beverly Hills. And I mean, it's it's been a trip. I've been with TruSpec for just over 13 months now. And, That's awesome. Um, you know, my career is never... Uh, never felt the satisfaction until mm. finally getting into something I'm passionate about. So, so neat, man. that's kind of my origin. It's a great that's story. Cool. That's yeah. a really, and, and you Thanks. know what? There's an underlying uh, message. Keep going to keep doing and knocking on the door until you get what you want. Yeah. I mean, I just like when you're sitting in a cubicle and someone's looking at you, who's expecting you to dial the phone all day long. Oh. <laughs> you just have to enjoy the process of whatever it is you're doing. Right. right. People, somebody might love that. Right. Yeah. And the more passion you have for what you're doing, the more valuable you become. 100%. Because people relate to that and they go, oh, wow, I can talk to this person. Right. I mean, if I'm a salesperson calling in to, to, to you and there's 40 other people calling, you're probably going to end up speaking to the person who's made it clear it's like their passion. Right. Because right? right. you know you can trust that person. Right. Um, so that's kind of the realization I had. And and to work in golf, I mean, it's such a it's such an honor. It's like almost overwhelming to finally be able to like do what I've always wanted to do. And, and like, you know, I mean, my career is just a, in a totally different spot. My life, therefore, kind of fell into just a better path naturally because of it. That's great. Because how I'm spending my, you know, 10, 12 hours a day is, is in a positive way that's, that's satisfying to me, right? Yeah, so something like, you're passionate that's what it's about. All about. That's awesome. That's such a cool story. It's a great story. And, and like you said, Emily, it's, uh, it's a good message. And, uh, and that's super admirable because not a lot of people – a lot of people think – I would think I, I that a lot of people get stuck, you know, and they feel like they're in a corporate grind or they're oh, yeah. like there's something they're probably passionate about or a side hustle they want to do and they don't really get into it because it's too hard. Uh, maybe I'm one of those people. I but, would say I think um, the three of us are the three of those people. I think everyone has I a mean, little bit of that in them, but it's super admirable to follow your passion and to find an angle to get into it and make it your your number one priority well, and the thing I, I, you're no, doing awesome. every day. I just think I'm really lucky. So, like, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean. Well, luck's a part of it, but, you know. Let's crack some beers. But you know. <laughs> but also, too, I think it came off very, very f- instantly with Josh, how passionately you were. And he told me, you know, don't go there without seeing Sean. Right? And yeah, and I mean, that that's becomes infectious. And Shout out, Josh. And every person that will go see you that will hear from us and hear this podcast, they're going to want to come to go see Sean and they're going to want to see you because you have that passion that you just articulated. hundred percent. But now, so let's go another level true spec for, for a lot of listeners who may have never um, gotten fitted, including myself to take me through what goes into a fitting. Sure. So essentially, like when you come in, we're going to blueprint your current set of golf clubs to just kind of understand statically, you know, how they're built, what their uh, their tendencies are, how stiff the shafts are, how heavy they are, you know, the lofts and lies. Um, then you would basically hit, uh, you know, your six iron, your driver, whatever we're going to focus on testing to get an understanding of like what it's doing as far as ball flight goes. I can kind of be your... Um, your translator with with some of the cr- crazy amounts of data we're able to accumulate, you know, each shot with, um, you know, some of the, the best launch monitors in the world. Nice. Um, you know, I kind of play to that role where we're looking through the numbers. I can sort of help 
make sense of them for you and kind of focus on certain areas where you have deficiencies with your golf clubs. And at the end of the day, I'm just trying to find a solution that allows you to play better golf than your equipment is allowing right now. And I mean, I would say like 95% of people that come in have equipment that's just not nearly good enough or or at least matching with the patterns that you generate as a player. So, I mean, there's a lot of improvement that we make with a vast majority of people who come in and see us. So are you saying that there's a mass amounts of people are maybe getting clubs um, for Christmas and they're just getting clubs because they love the, the game of golf and um, they, they want to, you know, get, perfect the game a little bit more, perfect their game a little bit more. And... Basically, are you saying that you can go that next level when you when you get fitted, basically? Well, yeah. I mean, like, there's so many different manufacturers that make so many different types of golf clubs out there, right? Right. You got blades. You got, right. you know, game improvement irons. You have players' distance irons. You got all these different categories of irons. And every manufacturer makes a great product. There's no doubt about it. They all just are trying to achieve a certain goal. And... You know, a certain player that will come in will really kind of, you know, vibe best or or perform best with a certain head. And if you don't have the necessary, you know, acumen towards like what each one does and what's going to actually help with the patterns that you're generating and the swing Mm -hmm. that you have... Um, it's really easy to buy something that's just completely wrong for you. Let me me jump in here um, and, and piggy bank off of what you just said. So it's easy to make mistakes in choosing golf equipment, right? Sure. Yeah. Talk a little closer, Scotty. What What do you see as like the biggest problem or the biggest misconception that people make when choosing to buy golf clubs that might set them back from achieving their golf goals? Yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of, um, you know, they're they're seduced by like a blade type, you know, design in an iron, something that looks awesome, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are stuck in shafts that are way too heavy for just the speed they generate or mm-hmm. the rhythm of their body during a golf swing. Um, you know, a lot of people just buy based on what they've read in a forum online. Mm-hmm. I mean, without actually testing the stuff and, and kind of putting them side by side and seeing which one is going to actually help you achieve your best performance, I mean, it, it's it's totally blind. Like, and a there's lot of, no way to know without going to a place like TrueSpec and being able to hit any and everything. That's right. I mean, like our biggest advantage, right, is just the architecture that TrueSpec has created for myself all of our fitters and anyone who comes in, like we have 32 to 35,000 different combinations of, <laughs> right. of clubs that I can build in real right. time. Right. Wait, did you just say 32 to 35,000? Correct. Yeah. Wow. Talking about head yeah, combinations. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, someone will come in and, you know, that number gets, you know, dialed down right. really quickly, right? right? Yeah. But like overall, I mean, our biggest advantage to the market with just the way that we're able to produce the demo club so fast, Club Connects is a company that's, owned by our parent we're tied in directly with with them and uh you know some of our competitors actually license the use of this adapter system and it's really clever because we are able to basically take any head on the market so we're brand agnostic right we don't care if you're a tailor-made titleist callaway whatever it might be we're able to test them all and we can literally put the iron heads or the wood heads or the hybrids the drivers directly on whatever shaft i pull in 10 seconds, you have a club you can hit, and we can test them back to back to back in real time. And, you know, the, the, the real genius about the adapter system is we're able to chop off 
the same amount of steel that we're going to offset with the aluminum adapter. So there's no added weight based on right. the demos. It's the swing weights are one to one, which gives us such a huge advantage because you're not swinging something with this clunky adapter on it. Right. And it's you're not changing the way it feels. Correct. And we're basically building a proxy club of what exactly we would build for you. And, and being able to do that in real time, back to back to back, like it makes the process super efficient. Um, you know, you can really kind of dial in which each individual club is doing for you. Yeah. And, and then we can stack rank them and, and I can show you with the numbers. I mean, I'm not there to sell golf clubs. Like the numbers are going to make themselves obvious yeah. and the right combination. It's my responsibility to find that combination, kind of guide you down that path. But when you look at a number and you go, wow, that's spinning more, flying higher, um, going farther and you're getting way more ball speed. Like, I mean, it, it differentiates itself so obviously. Sure. That's yeah. awesome. the best There's a couple of things. Science. That's right. I yeah. Mean, it's physics at the end right. of the day. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah. Part. And you, and you see the numbers literally right in front of you. And so, and I, I can attest that, you know, and Scotty, I'm sure you can too, is we're there that, that, that club selection happens really quick. The switching of shafts and yeah. club heads happen really quick. The, the experience from a user, you know, like myself coming in and seeing basically, you know, there's a couple things I think that really differentiate there. One is that you aren't really trying to sell golf clubs. You're, tr you're trying to actually see how well and what the tendencies are of your current swing, how well you're hitting your current set and then make a recommendation off that. So That's right. after, after, you know, hitting my set, you could see there were clubs that get, got me like a little more distance, but less spin. And there were, there are so there are irons. So, you know, Sean presented me with like a choice. It's like, well, if you're really looking for distance, if you like you need the distance at your course, then, you know, these might work. If you don't think you need the distance, your clubs are spinning pretty similarly to these three different heads you hit in shaft right. combination. Right, right, so right. so it's it's more of a you're learning as much about your current situation, your current Correct. swing as much as you are trying to improve the next thing. I think that's a, a distinct advantage. And um the other thing, it well, the combinations you said, there's a, like 30-something thousand combinations, but they narrow it down really quick, and it happens really fast. Um, so I think that's a, another huge advantage of that over other places where they might bring in, like, I think these three things are going to work for you, and then you're trying to, like, you're kind of like, are these the right yeah. three things? Um, what Sean did when I was in there, just the knowledge level was really good as well. So it, immediately, as soon as we were starting to compare swings and compare shafts and heads, we were able to like knock down the averages and, and del basically delete the miss hits you have. So you'd be surprised that like, you're like, okay, well, what if I'm just having a bad day and my swing's a little different? Like if you're a 10 or 15 handicap and you come in there and you're just kind of having a bad day, believe me, you'll get down to like making a couple good swings and then tell him, oh, that one felt like good. That one felt good. I'm doing this weird thing. Right. And you'll work through it, you know, and yeah, well, you get to the end result that you want. I felt very efficiently. One thing I just want to kind of clarify, because, you know, we do have people come in, you know, 15 handicap, 20 handicap sometimes. You just hit the nail on the head. I was just going to ask. Great that it's 5 to 15 handicap. But, I mean, I'm, I'm raising my – well, no, you just mentioned it. And I'm <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I'm raising my hand over here, thinking, like, I'm, like, a 25, like, or, or Even if or you're more. a 35 handicap, like, yeah. I mean, look, as long as you've been playing golf for about a year, you'd be amazed at how, how much more consistent your body's pattern of moving a golf club is than what you would probably think. 
I mean, when I'm sitting back at my workstation kind of observing, you know, listening to what you're saying, all of those other things, I have data points that are showing me exactly what the golf club is doing. And time and time again, every single fitting, I can have someone say, well, I'm working on my swing, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And meanwhile, the path of the, the club head is basically consistent every single swing. Right. That's pretty cool. And and like, you know, that's one of the main misnomers of, you know, the fitting idea in general where it's like, well, I maybe I'm not good enough to play, like to, to get fitted. I've been, you know, playing golf for two years. You'd be shocked at how consistent your pattern's going to be. And like the second that you try and make a change in the bay is where a fitting can really go the wrong way mm. because the second you get outside, your body's just going to revert back to the same pattern that it's most comfortable using right Right. so um that's a big misunderstanding i think about you know fitting and why it can help even someone who's like a 15 20 handicap the other thing i wanted to just say real quick is i have seen at least 10 different players over the last few months i've probably done 120 fittings in the last two months or maybe three months alone busy Um, guy yeah so like there's been plenty of players, at least 10, maybe as many as 20, who are 15 handicaps, who are simply 15 handicaps due to the equipment they're playing. And, like, there was one particular gentleman, I won't name him, but, I mean, he was like, yeah, I'm a 15, I'm a 16. His clubs were so unbelievably misfit for him. He had super lightweight shafts. He's swinging, like, close to 100 miles an hour with a 6-iron. <laughs> so, basically, you're t- saying it was Scotty. <laughs> maybe, maybe not quite Scotty. Yeah. We won't name names. But like this, this particular individual, I mean, had the patterns and the skill and the physical talent to be closer to like a one or a two handicap. There we go, Sean. And the, and the second that I put the right equipment in his hands, all of a sudden he's just bombing six iron from 160 yards like he was doing with his old clubs to 190 pin seekers all day long. And he just, you know, I mean, he was an athlete, obviously, but like good looking. the mm. the amount of improvement we made simply with like one shaft change and one head change was so drastic. He he was just kind of at a loss for words aw, because yeah. if you're swinging in 98 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour with a six iron and you're playing an 80 gram, you know, steel shaft built for someone who swings at 75 yeah. or even lower. Obviously, that thing is going to have trouble keeping up with the power, right? Yeah. So, like, I think, you know, for some people, they might be way better golfers than they realize, and they just have misfit equipment, whether it's handed down or it's bought off the rack somewhere, yeah. and it's just misfit for them. I mean, there's such incredible improvements for the vast majority of people that come in. Like, it's hard to, to argue against fitting being a, a, a huge Advantage. vitally important part of playing golf. Sean, yeah. let me ask this. Um, how important is the golf ball in a fitting process, right? Because every golf ball is different. Every golf mm-hmm. ball is going to perform different yep. from spinning. Two-piece, three-piece, four-piece, five-piece. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't consider that when talking about the equipment that they choose to use, right? Yeah, I mean, and look, there's been an awful lot of, like, you know, uh, media and literature about like how important the golf ball is Mm -hmm. at the end of the day over the last year or so um you know a lot of people one big media um in golf did like a golf ball my golf spy correct yep um i think you have to relate the golf ball to your diet really i think you should stick with whatever diet works best for you i think you need to stick with the same golf ball over and over again yeah i think it's really important to stay consistent with that and um 
you know, like fitting a golf ball, you can't really do that based on what your six iron's doing or what your driver's doing. You really have to fit a ball, golf ball from the green back because okay. at the end of the day, you know, 35 to 40% of your shots are happening within 40 yards of the hole. Right. Right. So like, you know, performance around the green is the most important thing. Unfortunately, I don't have a putting green um, outside of like a putting platform. I don't have a real putting right. green at Truspec and Beverly Hills. So for me to like make recommendations on a ball yeah. based on what you're doing with your driver or your iron is like sort of irresponsible. And I try to stay away from that. Um, but I mean, playing a golf ball is, I mean, you can see a difference in spin of like 35% from one golf ball to the other, maybe even more so, in some cases. So I guess the, it's vitally important. Yeah. And, and to be consistent, right? So if you're, if you're playing, for instance, a certain brand of golf ball, to stay with that brand of golf ball yeah. in picking golf clubs. Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, not to give one or two manufacturers more credit. Sure. If And I'm not going to make a, a specific right. comment based not. on who makes the best golf balls. But there's not. really two companies that have the most infrastructure and best practices and lineage as far as making the golf ball. And making a consistent golf ball from box to box is very, very important. You know, when you're a professional player, a plus five, plus six, plus seven handicap, you're playing for a million dollars. You need to know exactly, maybe two million dollars. You need to know exactly yeah. what that golf ball is doing at all times. And that's why there are certain companies that can charge a premium because they know mm -hmm. beyond a shadow of a doubt they're creating the most perfect version of that golf ball through every run and every box. Yeah. And there's other manufacturers that just don't have the capacity or the infrastructure to be as consistent as they'd like to be. I mean, it's not like they don't want to make perfect golf balls, but sometimes, you know, uh, when you're just filling gonna... demand for 50 million golf balls, like, you know, it might not be perfect. So um, those are just some things to think about. Hope I answered your question. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I would, one of the general basic things I would, I mean, I, I wanted to ask, but I think you probably kind of answered it. But if you were going to compare TrueSpec to other club fitting agencies or companies, like what makes TrueSpec different sure, um sure. and uh, you know i think for one of the things for me was obviously it's club agnostic there are a couple other places that mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. but the the ability for myself to walk in and feel comfortable with my current clubs and knowing like i'm not going to get pushed on a certain brand or to, to buy an entire new set of like driver to putter because that right. can get or expensive. Buy a fitness package. But to me, I think that that was the <laughs> the most differentiating thing of other things because I had yeah whether it's a fitness package I've done lessons at other places, yeah. um, and you still feel like there's sometimes there's like a sales push and I never felt like there was a sales push there, um, but even so, like even my my takeaway from this in the end was that even if you are are paying you know whatever the, i mean you can look up the true specs prices online and just google that people but if, you, if you're paying those prices if you play golf if, you, if you're gonna go get fitted for golf clubs and you're interested in getting better as an amateur golfer right it's you think about the money that you spend on the golf course and, the, and maybe some of the frustration you have on the golf course or where you think you should be as a golfer like oh i go to the range i practice i play once a week i play twice a week whatever that is Believe me, if you're gonna play, if you're a once a week golfer, or you're a twice a week golfer, or you're a once every two week golfer in the summer, it's worth getting fitted for the right clubs with the right shafts 
that you're going to hit at least the shafts you're going to hit for probably five years at least. And so if you really think about the price you're paying to get fit and the price you're paying for those clubs, in my opinion, if you're, if you're a golfer, that's going to actually do this for, you know, a, a once a week in the summer for the next five or six years, then it's, it's more than worth its money. Yeah, I mean, but anyways, back to my original question: sure. what what really what would you say is the biggest I, I difference from TrueSpec compared to other companies? I mean, from uh, just a pure like architectural standpoint, or like what kind of equipment that we have access to. I mean, it's not going to be that much different from some of the other competitors, right? I mean, you know, we are tied in with Miura Golf, which you know basically uh, it's it's a it's a well known rumor, and I'm going to leave it at rumor that. You know, Mura basically grinded all of Tiger Woods' irons for years. That's mm-hmm. um, one of our, our sister companies. Um, so we have a little bit more of a maybe access to, to new stuff through them. I mean, but essentially we have the same type of equipment that some of the other manufacturers or, or I should say club fitters have access to. I think at the end of the day, you know, a good fitting is all based on who's fitting you, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to you know, to your own horn. Well, I, toot it. sure. But like, you know, there beep, are beep. some fitters that do it because, Hey, they're really good at golf and I might as well be a fitter because what the hell there are other fitters who, you know, are spending the time doing the research and, and really kind of becoming a subject matter expert at it. Yeah. And, you know, look, I mean, it's no secret that buying a custom built set of golf clubs is not an inexpensive investment, right? right? No. I mean, the idea is if you're going to invest the kind of the kind of money that you need to in order to have someone, you know, a master builder build all of your clubs from scratch and have them perfectly frequency matched, loft and lies, lengths, all of those things and, and and yeah, shaft peering and all of that. I mean, I want to make sure that the person who's recommending these things to me knows what they're talking about, right? right? <laughs> and I think TrueSpec is uh, without question uh, the most precise and the most uh, careful when hiring the, the certain fitters that they're going to put, especially in different locations too. I mean, we have 20, I think three locations in the U.S. now. It's almost hard to keep up because we're growing really fast. But, you know, we are always pulling from, you know, the the individuals who have contributed the most and had the most success in the industry and have the best reputation. So, you know, whether that's, you know, um, you know, pulling from other people who want to go on that brand agnostic path and be truly like a consultant in between the customer and the OEMs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the type of person that TrueSpec hires. And I think that's probably our biggest differentiator. Um, you know, I think we style our brand a little bit differently. It's very clean, very clean lines. That was originally what attracted me to the company. I thought, you know, based on some other it fitters. It feels high end when you it go It feels in, really that. high end. It feels special. Exactly. I mean, it's supposed to be the ultimate VIP fitting experience, right? I mean, we deal with some of the the most high profile, you know, people on earth. uh, Have you you fitted any celebrities yet in your short time? Um, I, I, I don't want to comment on stuff. specific celebrities. You don't have to say names. Stanley Cup champions, for okay. sure. Um, oh. you know, professional oh, golfers, like um, power brokers, a lot of Hollywood agents. Um, you know, so like a lot of people who are... Just to name a few. More behind the scenes, I think, than, than necessarily celebrities yeah. for now. But, you know, being in Beverly Hills, if we're You're able to continue, like, that. I mean, we're in the right place. And You didn't name me. Uh, well, and Scotty, <laughs> this guy and Scotty. right here. 
Um, but you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's all about the customer service aspect. It's the the transparency and honesty. I'm not chasing a commission check or anything like that when I'm fitting golf clubs, right? Right. I'm literally my only goal for each individual that I'm working with is, hey, let's figure out what the best overall solution is for your game on the market. And this is what it would cost to produce that, right? Yeah. And and that's kind of how I run my fittings. Um, I'm not pushing metal on anyone. I, I think that would be silly. At the end of the day, you know, I see a lot of clients who come in, they're like, yeah, I bought three drivers in the last year, right? $1,500 and none of them work. And, and, and that was my question for you. Oh, well, one and of the that's off the that, rack, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I wanted to ask is, you know, how often should you get new new clubs or a couple new clubs here or there or irons or, or what have you? And if, say, it's been five years, maybe that's too long, maybe that's okay. Yeah. Like, you just said it. Like, there's a guy who said... I just bought three drivers in the last year. Like, what are some time frames sure. that might be um, good for just your typical Joe or yeah. Jill? Yeah, I mean, look, it obviously depends on how much golf you play. You yeah. know, I have a friend who played, I think he was complaining that two years ago he only played 250 rounds of golf in a year, <laughs> right? So, like, oh, a guy like that, I mean, you better get new wedges every, like, four or five months, I mean, if you want them to keep playing. And irons will probably last you, you know, two, three years at that rate. Um, the reality is for most people who have, you know, uh, more commitments and have to and can't spend time on the golf course every single day, I mean, five to seven years realistically for irons I think is a very realistic goal to have. There's a lot of people that come in and I'm just like, okay, you need a set of forever clubs, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I want to buy once and have clubs for the 10 years or so. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you're playing, you know, five times a year, 10 times a year, I mean, if you have a properly fitted set of golf clubs, barring like a major injury or some sort of huge change to your physiology and athleticism, I mean, the what clubs are... you gain are, like 30 pounds like me? Yeah, I mean, re- realistically, if you, gain, if you gain 30 pounds... Stop drinking. That's I, a personal I, issue I and only it you do, can it's handle It's not going to really change your patterns much. The, the primary <laughs> thing that... Enough. Goes, good enough. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. The primary <laughs> thing that will change your actual fundamentals on the swing is is something, you know, typically a physical injury of some kind. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you're a, a kid still growing and, you know, yeah, if you're yeah, 14 and then you're 18, like that's going to be different. Yeah. Um, you know, like... I, I would say a good rule of thumb, if if you can say that, um, is is five to seven years for irons. I think driver technology um, makes mm. some pretty wholesale changes each year. Yes. Obviously, it's look, it's easy for me to say that because I sell drivers for a living. Right? <laughs> um, there are certain years that not everyone makes a stellar product. It's this a good year this year. This particular year is an unbelievable year, and uh, while I've heard in in some of the testing with some of the new stuff coming out at the PGA show in February. Um, I think next year is going to be even better. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I've said that a couple of times, sorry, but you know, titanium is titanium until there's some crazy new composite material I've never heard about. You have to remember that, you know, clubs, drivers, especially they're, uh, they're limited by the rules of golf, right? They can only be so fast so the last couple of years, they've really started reaching some of the higher limits of um, the COR test, and, or I should say the, uh, the CT test, which is that the new way that they test how fast the drivers are. And, um, you know, 
right now, most of the manufacturers are just trying to figure out how to make them even more forgiving. They can only get 460 cc's. They can only have a, a 0.83. That's um, good info. Actually. Yeah, right. This so like good. if you buy a driver this year that's properly fitted, the chance that you're going to see a driver the following year or the year after that that is noticeably farther or hotter is is very unlikely. Okay. Um, so that's why, like, you know, a year like this year, it's a great vintage for drivers. Everyone made a really good product. They all do slightly different things. They have slightly different geometries. Some are more upright and some are more flat. Some are a little bit more left biased, some are more right biased. Some go higher, some go lower. Most of them kill spin really effectively. Yes. Um, so like, you know, as that industry progresses, you know, we're seeing some, some true innovations. I'll give a little bit of a shout out to Callaway cause I think it's kind of neat what they did. They purchased basically a $5 million supercomputer from Microsoft in order to simulate 15,000 different strikes on the face of a driver. And they created this wild looking face on the back of it, not the surface that you hit, but behind it, um, the face of the epic flash kind of looks almost like an oyster shell or like an ear almost it's very bizarre yeah. but the computer determined that on 15,000 different strikes all over the face that was the one that gave the the highest average ball speed and the straightest ball flight i think you're going to start seeing that as a trend more so in the future that's um, cool but you know, because I'm not on the R&D side, I don't want to make any promises based on what the manufacturers are going to do. I just kind of feel like that's probably a trend that most of our lives are, are kind of following. And yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more companies do things like that with drivers, you know. You're a physics guy. You clearly light up when I we, love we, physics. we yeah. talk <laughs> physics. I want to bring this back a little bit to just the professional golf uh, talk. What do you think of uh, um, DeChambeau? Uh, yeah, really unbelievably talented player. He's very much he's a, a man of physics. He, he's he's just a unicorn. Why like, are you rolling your eyes for? Sorry. Look, for he's a, he's a polarizing guy. Do I think that most people should play a one length setup? No. I mean, I think that's it's it it logically it makes sense. Um, it's very Mo Norman esque in some ways. And great you know, word. Mo is yeah, right? Mo is a guy that like you know for most people who are nerds about golf like understand that he was just a one in a in a million type character mm -hmm. um, who had kind of a an interesting uh, progression in his career. Um, uh, and and probably like the most naturally talented ball striker who's ever lived. I don't necessarily want to say Bryson is is like that but i mean he's one of the only players who's ever won like what is it the u.s mid-am the ncaa championship uh in the and same the year in the am in the same year him mm -hmm. jack nicholas and, and tiger woods i think are the three um who's who have ever done yeah. that i mean bryson's just a total uh unicorn in in the world of golf i think it's really kind of irresponsible for someone to suggest that Oh, I can do whatever he's doing because sure. I think he's yeah. just such an otherworldly talent as well. Well, and I think not to cut you off there, but I think more or less like when I think about Bryson, I think it's more about his work ethic than anything else, than physics or anything else. He's just always a guy that's trying to gain the advantage, whether he's spraying water onto his ball or whether he's whatever he's doing on the practice range. I for a second thought you were going to say spraying water on his balls. I go, oh, that's a thing to cool down? Well, technically, it was more than one ball that he sprayed water on. Powder. Um, 
but no, I think I think that's it. And some of his friends, like we we uh, interviewed. Austin, we also had Austin, Austin Smotherman, who was his, mm-hmm. who's roommate at SMU and is on the on the web. And he, it, Austin almost referred to him as more like he's just kind of like a fun, loving, like a geek. You know, he's not he's not like a rocket scientist, right? He's not that smart. He's just like really into physics, and he's kind of like you know wants to gain an advantage and he works harder than everybody else and i think that's where he gets his advantage yeah i I just think like he's he's trying to find his own path and i mean he's won what four times now i mean he's wildly successful never take anything away from that he's the first guy in pga tour history i believe to play 14 clubs with graphite shafts um so he's got this new shaft from i think it's uh you know va shafts or um la golf shafts shafts, pardon me yeah um john olenberg Yes. Uh, I, so he, they invented Matrix, the rebar right? shaft. Correct. Uh, they ended up buying Matrix. But, right. um, so they invented this rebar shaft for Bryson. It's a 120-gram iron shaft. It's the stiffest thing that's ever you know, been, <laughs> been out. Yeah. And, and like it's also relatively lightweight. You know, uh, Like an X100 or an X7, you're pushing 135 grams in an iron shaft. But that's... Um, but just for our audience that doesn't, that's really, really, really heavy. We're getting deep. That's unbelievable that's fucking heavy. That's yeah. really heavy. Yeah. So for them oh, to okay. produce something that's unbelievably stiff at 120 grams is like a pretty significant accomplishment. But you need to be a pretty good athlete to swing that. 120 no, grams yeah. is pretty, yeah. Like yeah you no need one, to have some decent No one's buying that except for Bryson and like Dustin Johnson. Tiger and maybe Rory. But like, so so just to give you some reference, right? Like an S three hundred shaft, a dynamical S three hundred that everyone who's ever played golf has had is like one hundred and twenty three grams, something like that. So yeah. like, that's been a, a traditional weight for a lot of people. Yeah. Like so, just reference here: my golf shafts are dynamical one ten, right? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one hundred ten yeah. grams right. is more lightweight, sort right. of kind of medium lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you're calling him a little bitch. No, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. He produces a lot of spin. <laughs> the spin mass. Sean, you've been graciously so awesome with your time. I just want to ask one more thing here. I know. We could go all um, night. Just for our audience that is listening, that's heard you talk about, that might be excited about coming to get fit, what should they know about their game or their setup before they come see you? Yeah, so we send out a, uh, a pre-fitting survey just okay. to get an idea of like, okay, what's your handicap? Do you typically hit the ball left? Do you have a slice? Do you have a draw? Do you hit it high, low? I mean, all of those things are, are, are nice to know ahead of time. Um, but at the same time, just watching the player hit, you know, whether they're warming up or then finally kind of, you know, testing their current six iron um, in, in kind of understanding what their shot shape is. I think a lot of people, um, you know... They don't watch people hit golf balls all day, right? So yeah. what they might perceive as is reality is maybe a little different mm-hmm. when you're in the bay. Um, so I think everyone should just focus on coming in with an open mind. And the most important thing is you have to enjoy yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, like people, we're hitting golf balls. Like, right. That's my job. Like that's right. crazy how lucky that is for for me to be able to say that. And you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can you know k- take a look, analyze, and then improve. Um, so I think the primary thing for anyone who wants to come in and get fit is just you know come in with an open mind. Don't be too uh, you know uh, uh, focused on hitting one specific head. Or if you read that, hey, this shaft it sounds perfect for me. Like 
you know, do that research, like, you know, knock yourself out with all that stuff, but don't come in here with like a preconceived notion that you know what you're going to get fit into because the vast majority of people um, really, you know, the the differences between different manufacturers, different models can really be uh, pretty, pretty significant. Yeah. And and just having an open mind and having fun is what it's all about. And so, and to, to reiterate that point a little bit, there's the, there was an assistant pro at, at our club, Eddie, who is scratch. He's, you know, assistant pro, really good golfer. And he swung these like very light graphite shafts. And he, we call them like easy Eddie because he just has this nice, easy swing. He produces the same ball flight, the same drive, the same iron strike every time, and just makes par birdie every hole. And it's like, so but that's a pro, you know what I mean? So when you talk about not having pre- preconceived notions, I think you mentioned at the, at the beginning, like everyone kind of thinks, usually the trend is, you don't, you're being nice, you're not saying this, the trend is everyone usually thinks they're a little better than they probably are, right? So for most amateur golfers, I would say probably 50 or 60 percent of people at least think that 60 or 70 percent of people probably think they're better than they are so when you come in you might think oh i'm gonna hit a blade like i like the blades look cool and yeah, I'm, yeah. you know i'm i'm an i'm i guess technically i'm an eight now but i'd probably be way better if i played more so when i'm gonna get fitted i'm gonna get fitted for some like sweet looking blade like don't come in with any preconceived notions just come in ready to get fit for what works for your swing if a professional golfer be it Bryson DeChambeau or my assistant pro, or whatever is going to play graphite shaft. Don't have, <laughs> yeah. don't have preconceived notions. If you need five hybrids in your bag, like Webb Simpson, then you, you, then you do that, right? Yes. It's a bit of a bitch move, but it doesn't matter. It's going to, it's going to produce the best score. So that's what you do. Um, so anyways, I just want to say that like, don't, don't have those preconceived notions. In fact, go ahead say what you're going to say, but I, I have one other thing. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. You're, you're, well, no, I want to have a discussion because it just, it just triggered my memory because I called Scotty about this yeah. this week. No, we're doing it. We're doing it. Who cares? Um, I was I was in a bar in, in St. Louis, and someone else was arguing with his buddy about his handicap. And no, we're doing it. We're doing it. And Scotty, we're doing it. So they were arguing about like, he was like, hey, I'm a six or a seven. And I, you know, he's like, but I'd be like a two and I bet I could get to and I could bet I could get to scratch if I had enough time. And I'm like, if you're a six, like how often do you play? He's like, I, well, I play like once, sometimes twice a week in the summer. I'm like, you can't get to it. You can't get to a scratch. Um, I don't think I get to a scratch. I'm probably around the same kind of golfer that that guy is. But I don't think personally. But he plays once or twice a week. But I'm just saying, like, I, I, it's not a matter of practice. There's a lot of, and you're a club fitter, so like, you kind of know this. I think there's a, there's an inherent, like, intangible quality of ball striking that you need to have hand-eye coordination, and on top of the practice and dedication that you would need, if you just had nothing to do for a year, and you're gonna practice five or six hours a day, and you're a ten handicap. You're not gonna to get to scratch just because you can practice five or six hours a day. And this is the point I was trying to make to these guys, and they're like, "No, I think I could get there." <laughs> I just think it's a funny debate and a, a good argument to have. I, it's, I think it's totally different to get there and to maintain there than um, than people think it is, and I, it just it, how hard it is to stay there is sometimes misconceived. Okay, mm. I've noted. 
Good but point. so like, let's just let's let's get some fun in this no, conversation. About that. No, no, not at all. Um, I I just want to bring this back. I mean, I I feel like we can geek out and talk about this all night long. I'm feeling like there's going to be a part one and part do duo in this just because of how much amazing information well, Sean that you Sean have to share. Oh, hmm. without question. But so Sean, funny story. Yeah. Um, we we briefed it um quickly before the podcast started, but. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, our cousin went on a blind date, and uh, she was telling us about this date and 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 how she walked in, and that there was three guys, and um, they weren't together, but you know, one of the guys was just, I guess, talking to what comes to find out after Steve does the true spec, you know, the fitting with you. Buys a hybrid. Basically, yeah, he's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, he he works in golf and crazy story. Smoking that hybrid. He he he's from Connecticut, and Steve's like eyes and ears are no, up. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Okay, so Tom from Longmeadow, Mass. True. Oh oh oh. Okay, so this is one of Sean and I's original connections. This is, just, we'll talk about. It's a whole this other too. story. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, anyway, so she's saying, okay, Massachusetts, which is right on the border to where Steve gr- has grown up from, and Steve's like, literally, you could see his ears like going. Like, wait, did oh, he? Oh, that's right. She was from Enfield. Yes, yeah. and and so and now so it comes full circle. It's coming full circle, <laughs> yeah. and so Steve is like, wait a second, to Alexa, our cousin, well, his cousin. I'm obviously married into the family, and um, and she's and Steve goes, wait, did he have blonde hair and a beard? Good looking, <laughs> good looking, maybe shorter guy. And and Alexa's like, I don't know. I'm on my like first, my first date, and I go, <laughs> of course, Steve. I go, so I pulled up. Steve. I pulled up an Instagram photo. Well, you know, let's see, what oh, do. see, pull up an Instagram photo. Don't let this die. Where does this go after? And Alexa's like, "Oh my gosh, that was him. That was the guy that I was sitting right next to in all places, Wally's in Santa Monica, and Beverly Hills. Well, she's like to, to her defense. Was it, sorry, Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out it was our boy Sean. 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 <laughs> so Sean's been out in the town, going to the hot spots in Beverly Hills, seeing the nice young ladies. <laughs> Um, yeah, and to kind, of, <laughs> to kind of build off that, right? I mean, so Alexa, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so this cousin, this is. I, I sort of remember this cousin. now where, you know, either I had overheard what she was saying or whatever it was. I was like, are you really from Enfield, Connecticut? I'm from Longmeadow. So Longmeadow and Enfield are in two different states, but they share the state border between Connecticut and Massachusetts, oh. right in the Pioneer the, Valley off the Connecticut River. Of course. There you go. I mean, this is where I basically bordering towns. Yeah, this is where I've basically lived all my life until moving to California. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Scotty comes in. He says, hey, you know, I'm going to have Steve come in. Steve comes in. I find out that Steve is from Enfield, Connecticut. And I'm like, we grew up like literally a mile away, maybe. We probably like both back in high school were hanging out in the Wendy's parking lot, you know, and, (laughs) you know, like the Longmeadow kids had, you know, honestly, the nicer cars and the infield. (laughs) So on top of this, on top of this, um, I have a bunch of friends who are from Enfield that, you know, from, you know, growing up there and all that stuff. um, I got some pretty good intel that uh, Steve... It was Ooh. a popular kid. Oh, he, oh. Was, he was a popular kid? He was kid? a popular kid, but it gets better. So not only was Steve popular Ooh. and really cool Ooh. and too cool to know my friend, oh. um, Steve's entire family is super cool and beautiful. Oh. That's what I was told. So I mean, Alexa's so gorgeous. Who, who is this? Who is this? Oh, boy. 
Uh, well, I don't want to. Yeah, you got to say. You got to say. We got to call her. You don't have to call um, her. I know who it is. I think. But you well, know, you just the at- idea that like you know we're sitting in this room now, and yet we both. I don't know how much time you spent in in Enfield. You know, twenty years, eighteen years, whatever it was. Like, I mean, we oh, yeah. we're within a year of each other. I think in age and yeah, we were growing up basically. Like, I mean, this is like again, a mile away. You, yeah, like, I mean, I, I walk into Truspec to get fitted for clubs. Yeah. I, mean, I worked so, at Friendly. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who is beautiful? And Steve's family, everybody, all the all entire the family. That's the have, have you seen this face? Just this is out of greatness. <laughs> the entire family is cool <laughs> and beautiful looking. Yeah. That's what I was told by my sources from Enfield. Oh, sources, and, and sources. And she said that uh, Steve probably doesn't know me. I wasn't cool enough. Uh, oh, Does yeah. she have a name? Yeah, but we're, we'll discuss we'll, offline. We'll discuss oh, okay. offline. I think I know who it is. But the Grigglies had a... follow-up question's great, but since his wife is here, <laughs> yeah. I'll be back here. I, I, I think I know his path. The, most of his uh, path. Yeah, most of <laughs> Shout out Enfield, Connecticut. Shout out Long Meadow, Shout out Long Meadow Mass. Go. We grew up yeah. ne- right next to each other. 413 uh, and the 860. Uh, there we go. We had, and he's, you still have the 413 number. I still have the 413 number. Still, still yep. rocking the 413. Mm-hmm. So it was a good connection. Uh, and... The other funny thing, really, well, a couple of things. I have a big family, so whoever this person was is probably referring to. I had, I had like Alexa, and her brother and sister went to a different high school in town. Our high, our, our town in Enfield is pretty big, and so we had two high schools. So I had some cousins that went to yep. Fermi, which is one side of the half, and Enrico, I had some cousins. Fermi, shout out physics, Fermi go. paradox. There we go, uh, and I had some cousins that went to Enfield High with me. Um, uh, so we had, you know, a big family, brother and sister, and everything else. And so it was, it was a big, uh, griggly contingent along along the uh, Enfield side. I guess you know it's very complicated. Whoever this friend is, I'm gonna thank her for you know we'll complimenting the griggly. <laughs> send, we'll send her a wagon with Kuzi. See what popularity Compliments. gets you, honey. So no, I'll, the, the other thing when I walked in, I was like, "He's from Longmeadow." We go through this whole thing, and he was like, "Oh, what high school?" We're talking about you know all this stuff. We're like that's crazy. What a small world. And I'm like, you know, there's only one other guy in LA that I knew that was from Longmeadow and played hockey with him. His name was like Brett, Brett, and he's like Johnson. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Like it's been four years since I've seen him. He's like. He worked at the same country club that he did. That's right. In Long so bring it full circle to the original story that I was saying, boring everyone with about you know riding the bicycle to the country club. Like, I mean, yeah, the other gentleman that you knew from from your job, uh, I worked with him, and he took me for thirty six dollars once when we were both like sixteen years old on a, on a golf course, and I've never gotten over it. Never gotten over it. <laughs> so we need a rematch. I got ruined. Red Johnson, where I, you at? Wiggle and Wiffle sponsor. <laughs> We, we both did not play well, but he made a couple key shots, and uh, he will always have that uh, over me. I think he beat rematch. me. One. I only played golf with him once I played hockey with him. He put, yep. we put in the same uh, men's so league hockey he's, team. He's 2-0 he's, he's here. He could beat, yeah. Yeah. beat me, yeah. too. Yeah. He's got to oh, give me a lot of shots. Sean, Good thank you so very much for coming on to this podcast. It was a pleasure. And Stay out of Wally's. It was great. Stay out of, no, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll back in there. Yes, yeah, but thanks Wally's is the spot. I love Wally's. Uh, everyone, go get fit at Truespec. If you if you have look, go Google them online. Go find them. If there's it's a Truespec so in your area, so so just go so visit them. They call Beverly Hills. I just say, where do they you- say, hey, I want Sean? How does that work? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you can. I, I'm part of the first name club. I'm really happy about that. So S H A U N. That sounds like a truespecgolf. There we go. Yep. Uh, so S H A U N at truespecgolf.com. Feel Hit free to send me an email that way. Um, I'm not going to give my cell phone on the podcast. Don't do that. But, no, don't, uh, do that. don't do that. You know, if you know one of these guys, feel free to ask them. They'll be able to hook it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're we're trying to grow the business as, as it is here. Um, you know, we're, we're ramping up for the beginning of 2020. It's kind of going to be the big year for us. Uh, we're right on Wilshire. I mean, literally within walking distance to Rodeo drive. I mean, from a pure location standpoint, it's a, it's a special location. We're super lucky to be able to have that sort of real Mm -hmm. estate. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of positive feedback so far from not only the, the, the big clubs in LA, but also, you know, a lot of people who travel from the South Bay, the tr- people who travel from the Valley. Up to um, Century City to work. That's, and that's right. So, up. like, you know, we're in, we're in the best possible location I could imagine. And I think that we're going to uh, have a really successful and fruitful year ahead of us. And we're just thrilled to be in the neighborhood, really. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, it well, it's a great spot. And anywhere else too, right? I mean, like they're around the country. So I mean, if you're listening from Connecticut, if you're listening from Massachusetts, that's right. right. If you're listening from from Florida or anywhere else, there's there's locations everywhere. And actually, I think you, uh, at least when I called the book, it was the Scottsdale location. So you're probably gonna go through the same people, anyways. I don't know, but uh, the fitting experience is gonna be great. You're not gonna be disappointed with it. So go go check it out if you're in the market for new clubs. And also, don't forget to follow us. On Instagram at Waggle and Whiff Pod and on Twitter at Waggle and Whiff. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for sticking with us all. I know this was a long haul, but hopefully you got a little something out of that. Got jazzed up to get some new clubs for this coming spring. 2020. Get fit. Let's go. We'll talk to you next week. Next week's Thanksgiving. Holiday season's here. Stuff in our face. Turkey Day. Um, We'll we'll get an episode out next week as well. So enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.